Good morning and uh, welcome on this Saturday morning, February 5th, 2022. I hope that your day is off to a good start and wherever you are that you're staying safe and comfortable and warm. Welcome to Coffee Breaks with Steve. We're going to get started here in just a minute. So I invite you to uh, put on the brakes, grab a cup of coffee and join the conversation. I always find myself uh, forgetting to turn on my little studio lights here. I, I test them beforehand and then I turn them off so that they're not just shining on me. And then I'm logging in and forgetting to do that. So bear with me as you all always do. Welcome to Coffee Breaks with Steve. I'm glad you're here. Let's see who's uh, tuning in this morning. Hey, Amy Sterling, I see is on here. Ooh, cool intro. I know, keep playing around with different ways to sign on and uh, playing around now with a, uh, a cold open type of opening. I'm not quite sure if that's working yet. You know, it's all trying to figure out the smooth or not smooth of it. Hello, Kathy Garlick and Jay Zetterval is on here. Lila Swafford. I see people signing in. I always feel like it's romper room and I'm looking through the magic mirror when I see people. But uh, glad you're all here this morning. It is Saturday, February 5th. We're into the month of February. And uh, that means we're, we're already one-twelfth of the way through the year. Um, I could probably tell you how many shopping days you have till Christmas, but we're not going there right now. So, uh, yeah, Rick Venturi, Carla Venturi, glad that everybody's getting signed on this morning. I'm, uh, I'm still in the process of trying to wake up, but we'll get there. We will get there. Yeah, I know, Amy, how the heck is it February? It's uh, a happy belated Groundhog Day to everybody. I hope you all had a... A great Groundhog Day, you know, one of the major holidays that we celebrate. Okay, we're going to get on with this. I want to get into, uh, I want to get past the preliminaries today. We got some fun stuff going on. So, uh, oh, Kathy's asking, where are we? We're actually in uh, the Portland area. We're in Tigard. We're, we are staying with lovely friends, Scott and Jody Platt, who have been kind enough to open their home for us. We were actually by now expecting to be, as I think most of you know, we're in the process of moving to Spokane, Washington, and really thought we'd be in Spokane by this weekend. Um, but we, like so many people, are dealing with situations where COVID becomes a factor and where you have exposures and you have to kind of shelter in place and and isolate briefly to make sure that everybody's okay and there aren't you're not carrying anything to somebody else's household. So we did end up uh, slowing down our travels. We are now in the Portland area and Expect to be here for another couple of days, and then we'll be moving on Monday. Plan is we're going to be in Spokane. So, and uh, yeah, we're close. For those of you who are in the Portland area, we're nearby. But uh, I, I wish this was going to be a weekend where we could just get out and see everybody. It's going to be still pretty much uh, straightforward doing our thing and, and keeping moving. We figure we've traveled about 750 miles so far, getting from Pleasanton, California to this point. And we're about two thirds of the way through our trip. So it's uh, takes a little bit out of you at my age, takes a little bit out of you to be in the car for more than a few minutes, 
let alone a few hours, but we're doing all right. All right. What are some uh, special days coming up this week? Today, February 5th is Eat Ice Cream for Breakfast Day. It's always the first Saturday in February. So if you have not yet had your breakfast and uh, you got some of that uh, Rocky Road sitting freezer that you'd like to serve up for breakfast, apparently today is the day to do it. No idea where that comes from, but that's what it's all about. The 6th tomorrow is National Frozen Yogurt Day. I'm not sure if it's a coincidence that that immediately follows Eat Your Ice Cream for Breakfast Day or not, but that's what it is. February 8th is, uh, is Boy Scout Day. It's also a day in history, obviously, because it's the anniversary of the founding of the Boy Scouts in 1910. So that's the 8th is Boy Scout Day. And then also another today, uh, today in history, this day in history on February 9th is the founding of the U.S. Weather Bureau was authorized by an act of Congress in 1861. So all of the forecasts that we get when, besides what the groundhog tells us, when we, the, the um, weatherman tells us that there's a 10% chance of rain and it's pouring sheets outside, that's because the National Weather Service was founded. Um, you know, it's gotten much better. I can remember years past when they were just re really relying on visual observation as much as anything else. Now we have so many computer models that we can look days, if not weeks ahead at the weather. Well, listen, I want to, and by the way, if I have not said hello to you yet, hello. Jerry Thompson is on here. Jerry Zetterval, good morning. And I just want to encourage you again throughout the morning, throughout our time here in the next few minutes, do be part of the conversation. This is not about me jabbering and Thank goodness today it's not just me because it's always better when we have the conversation. But uh, please take part in the conversation. Please make sure that you are participating, making your comments, asking your questions. And what we don't get to live, you know, always try to get back to later. And by the way, if you're tuning in later and watching this recorded, participate in the conversation as well and, uh, and put your comments in there. I want to introduce a special guest and uh, a friend from times past, um, but Craig Carruthers lived in Portland. I I'm, I'm reading his bio from his website because I love it. I, lo I know this is Craig's voice. I should have him read this, but it says Craig Carruthers lived in Portland before it was hip and moved to Nashville before it was ready for prime time. He's always been a little ahead of the curve and an old school kind of cool. His music is heartbreakingly beautiful and scathingly funny. And by the way, it is all of that. Delivered with a lively deadpan smile and a voice that's downright swoony. Too folk for rock, too pop for folk, too jazz for country, too tall to be a... And I don't know why Director Dog's coming on here. I'm going to take her out of the mix. She just signed on. I know why. Sorry about interrupting that. Let me finish that one. Um, too tall to be a jockey. It's difficult to easily categorize his music without the use of hyphens, but the wide-ranging influences of Craig's music, teacher, parents can be heard in each of his 15 albums. He's a songwriter, songwriter, sharing co-writes with Bruce Hornsby, Marty Stewart, Don Henry, Maya Sharp, and Don Schlitz, to name a few. He's had songs recorded by Trisha Yearwood, Kathy Matea, Laurie Morgan, Russell Hitchcock, and Peter, Paul, and Mary, as well as numerous international artists whose names are unspellable. As a touring musician and a regular at the Bluebird Cafe in Nashville, Craig has shared a stage with the likes of Richard Thompson, Janice Ian, Donovan, David Wilcox, John Gorka, Patty Larkin, Gretchen Peters, 
Katie Curtis, Greg Brown, Sean Mullins, Patty Larkin, Michael McDonald, and Kim Ritchie. When not traveling to hundreds of shows each year, Craig shares his songwriting expertise as a professor at University of Miami and through online and in-person songwriting workshops across the U.S. and Europe. A true renaissance man, Craig is also a producer, recording engineer, background singer, booking agent, graphic designer, photographer, Tex-Mex connoisseur, left-wing inactivist, and a collector of exquisitely obsolete gadgets. His many recordings are available at live shows and via the website, as well as Amazon, iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, CD Baby, and all other digital streaming providers. With all of that, now we've run out of time. And No, I'm kidding. Um, but uh, I, I hope that if you are not already a fan and familiar with Craig's music, that uh, this time that we spend will give you a better introduction and uh, that you will come away from this time looking for his music. And I want to talk to him a little bit about that. So please join me in welcoming Craig Carruthers. Hey, Craig. Hey, Steve. Long <laughs> time good. to see. It has been. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because uh, the one thing I don't think I mentioned, I think I mentioned it in passing, is that Craig and I go back and largely through the same, one of the same influences that he had. And that was that his dad, Norm Carruthers, was my high school music teacher. And um, and I met Craig through that time. And actually, even we were actually even when your dad pulled you in once or twice to help out with some stuff at uh, Adams, Craig and I actually were on stage together a couple of different times when he stepped in at the last minute because we were in a panic and needed a, a good actor and singer to to help with one of our uh, shows. But anyway, how, you've been how long have you been in Nashville now, Craig? Well, in 2000, we decided we would try coming here for five years and uh, lost track of time. <laughs> you, yeah, I, I know that feeling, by the way. I think many of us have been. Now, I just mentioned your dad, but both your parents, your mom and dad were both music teachers. They were. How much, I guess in a way, how much did that, maybe kind of the duh answer, but how much did that influence you growing up? Well, you know, it's impossible to grow up around some. If you if you grow up around sports or you grow up around science, you even if you're resistant, I think you 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 get you just assimilate some of that. And my parents were musicians and music teachers, and I got exposed to a lot of different kind of music growing up. But I absolutely was not going to go into music or teaching as a profession. And I I went to the University of Oregon as an English major. Um, but then I started writing songs and it just sort of took over my life. And, and I guess that was kind of the next question because I remember you from our time together as a, um, as always somebody who seemed creative when it came to music. And I, at what point did you actually start writing your own music? Was that something that was happening kind of in the background before you knew this was going to be your yeah. career? Yeah, I I think like like in the same way that anybody might write a poem as as some sort of junior high school or high school courtship device, I think I, I think I started writing romantic songs of longing towards unattainable young ladies when I was very young, <laughs> and uh, and it you know you end up going with your strengths and it it, it ended up being a a, a worthwhile uh, approach. Yeah. I, um, we mentioned in reading the bio, the number of people that you have 
recorded or performed with and music for in your own sort of, I guess, upbringing, besides your parents being influences for music in general, who were some of the influences that you think probably were most uh, instrumental in your own development of your musical style? Well, I think you can't grow up when we grew up and not be influenced by the Beatles, um, of course. Um, and then my parents would just listen to every kind of music you can imagine. So I was listening to gospel choirs and jazz and uh, spirituals. And um, so I had a very diverse musical diet. But I think that the first person, other than you know anyone's casual appreciation of the Beatles or or James Taylor, I think the first time, not her first radio hits, but the first time I actually heard a Joni Mitchell record, uh, which was when I was at University of Oregon, uh, it was life-changing. Uh, there was something about her ability to be poetic and conversational at the same time and her otherworldliness musically and her ability to sing, it really was moving to me. And it sort of, I sort of transitioned rapidly that first year of college from being an English major and a theater major to um, you know, shortly thereafter dropping out of school and spending all of my time writing songs, much to my dad's chagrin. <laughs> uh -huh. and, and knowing your dad, I, I, I could understand that. There were probably a few conversations where he tried to negotiate some middle ground with that. Ch chagrin is a polite term. <laughs> and negotiate is also a very polite term. I, I, I was, that was deliberate, um, yeah. Yeah, he was very unhappy about it and was not shy about expressing that. On the other hand, my mother always said that, you know, I don't care what you do as long as it's the thing that you want to do, as long as you're following your heart. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I think that that was that, you know, there's a weird thing I think that happens in many people's lives where your parents encourage you to think for yourself. And then when you do, they immediately say, who have you been talking to? <laughs> so I, I definitely had that experience. Yeah. I can remember that one, too. You know, you've had the opportunity, Craig, to work with so many people, so many uh, artists and bands over the years. Do you have any favorites, anyone that working with or recording with or performing with really stands out for you? Has just been a, a, a favorite person to work with or a favorite time, favorite performance? I, you know, I, I love working with the late, great Tim Ellis was a, quite a... Um, Portland fixture, amazing guitar player, amazing friend. We we played and recorded together for more than 15 years. Um, so that's that's sort of a one of a kind experience. But since I moved here, I've had so many amazing experiences. Like I love Kim Ritchie and, and to have her sing on my record was amazing. I've been a Janice Ian fan forever and to play shows with her was mind boggling. Yeah. Um, the list is really too, no matter who I mention, I'm going to leave somebody out. Sure. Many of you are unfamiliar when, and everyone makes the joke, oh, from the Eagles. But there's a guy here named Don Henry, not Don Henry. Right. And he's yeah. a brilliant singer songwriter. And we hit it off and have written many songs together, made a record together and toured together. And uh, so, so many great experiences. It's hard to, and, and, you know, and more recently, it was really fun to write a couple songs with Bruce Hornsby. That was pretty amazing. When you tour, do you have a favorite place that you have been to or like to go back to when you're on tour? It's hard not, you know, Portland had, the people were so sweet to me coming up and I had such such support and um, 
affection that I could feel was, you know, both by people showing up and how they acted and, and, you know, buying my records, et cetera. Um, uh, wanting to be on the mailing list. I, I developed friendly relationships with some of those people that I didn't really know. And then, you know, over time, it's just uh, really moving to have such uh, a supportive group of people that Portland was, you know, I, I don't know that any place will ever be more significant for me than that. But it's funny because the second place is probably where you've just left. Um, uh, I played a lot in the Bay Area over the last 15 years. And that's also some of my favorite people and some of my favorite venues are there. Yeah. But there's great places everywhere, you know. So the Bluebird here is an amazing place to play. Anderson Fair in Houston is an amazing place to play. Um, there's a lot of great venues. Yeah, I, I know there were times, and I actually, I'm going to be um, transparent here because there were times that I knew I was following you and I knew you were going to be like in Berkeley mm -hmm. playing. And I would say to my wife, I'd say, okay, I've got to try to get over there. I've got to try to get over there and see Craig perform. And, and, and again, I'm being totally honest here. While I've listened to your music throughout your career, I never got to any of the concerts in the Bay Area to watch you perform live. So I still, I still need to, I, that's still on my bucket list, Craig. I still need to do that. I still need to find a way to get, maybe you're going to play in Spokane. Well, someday, uh, you know, I'm autoimmune compromised, so I'm, uh, and I have to inject a medicine on a weekly basis that suppresses my immune reaction. So even though I'm vaccinated and boosted, I'm in that tiny percentage of people who are still at risk. Yeah. Uh, so I, I still can't figure out how it works. Most of the, you know, I, I do, pl the place you're referring to in Berkeley is the Freight and Salvage, and that's a wonderful venue. Uh, the Walters Art Center in Hillsborough is a wonderful venue, and I love playing those places that are larger, but... When I tour, I play a lot of places that seat 50, 60, 75 people and they're packed and everything is close together and I sell my own merch and I, I have still have a hard time getting my mind around how I can do that safely currently. Yeah. it's I haven't yeah. toured for three years because I took the year off in, in the summer of 2019. I decided not to tour for the first time uh, and who knew that for the next yeah. years I wouldn't be able to. Well, it'll it, you're, you'll get back out there. I'm confident of that. In that, with that in mind, do you have from your experience all those years that you have toured? Do you have any great stories from the road, either good, bad, or otherwise, um, that are just like the the classic story when you're out touring someplace? Well, you know, I always I'm almost always by myself. I've had a couple of tours that you know where I either did a bunch of shows in the Bay Area with a couple of other people, or as I explained, that Don Henry and I. Um, uh, went on a United States tour together. Um, we were somewhere in between Denver and we were playing the next night, I think, in Des Moines. So we had quite a drive. And we were in my Prius and Don was driving. And somewhere, somewhere in his mind, the Prius never needs gas <laughs> because it's an electric car. But of course, it's a hybrid. And we ran out of gas out on the freeway and it was so hilarious because he thought he broke my car. Uh, but, you know, I was uh, a little more able-bodied then, then than I am now. And we, uh, we pushed the car for, I don't know, three quarters of a mile, a mile, <laughs> something like that. So we could, we could get gas. Um, 
But my other most harrowing road story also involves Don. Um, in 2009, I had spine surgery and I was just fixed. It was great after a, many, many years of trouble. And then he and I were playing in the Bay Area uh, and our first night driving back from the gig, we got hit by a semi. Uh, the semi driver fell asleep at the wheel and just spun our car around and then he hit us again and spun the car around and it hit us a third time. And really, it's like that, you know, it's slow motion and you think this is it. This is like the movies and, and now I'm going to be dead. And we smashed into the median and he had borrowed his daughter's car. So we were in his daughter's car and her name is Jesse. And as we smashed into the median at the exact same time, I yelled, we're alive. <laughs> yelled, I ruined Jesse's car. <laughs> so, so, you know, what, what are you concerned about in the moment was revealed. It was uh, yeah. right. pretty, pretty harrowing, but, but we lived to tell the tale. And I'm sure, you know, we could probably, I'm sure just asking you to relate a story or two. I'm sure there are many, many more, but uh, I'm, I'm pulling up a couple of questions that have come up from people who are tuning in. Shalane wanted to know, after you mentioned your dad's concern about you dropping out of school, did your dad ever turn the page on supporting your chosen career? If so, what was the turning point? No turning point. No. He struggled with it. Um, no, even, I mean, you're very diplomatic. He was against it, and he thought no. I was making a terrible mistake. And he couldn't see how I could be employable. And when he would come to my shows, he would just sort of roll his eyes that, you know, because I wasn't being serious about doing something. And I know this all comes from, like, from any parent wanting to not worry about you, wanting to know that you're doing something that you will be uh, secure in. Uh, and so he used to constantly encourage me to go back to school so I'd have something to fall back on. And even then, what I said to him is, if I have something to fall back on, I'm much more likely to fall back. Yeah. Uh, and he couldn't really get his mind around that. Um, and so, unfortunately, I, none of the things that happened to me that were uh, sort of milestones of success, he, he was not alive for any of those. So, yeah. Yeah. No, no turning point. No turning point specifically. Uh, Kim Baker wants to know what has helped you adjust the most during your non-touring chapters. As I imagine, such drastic change would be very difficult. How have you adjusted to not being on tour? I, I have to say, and no one wants to hear this, I have, it was no problem for me at all. Um, I, I never developed this as a discipline, but I am extremely pragmatic about that, which I cannot change. And so uh, about 10 years ago, through a kind of a bizarre set of circumstances, Bruce Hornsby recommended me to the faculty head of the department at this, uh, at, in Coral Gables at the University of Miami in the music department. And I got hired to teach a lyric class as an adjunct. So I was doing that. And then in 2016, I had a, you know, I had a second spine surgery. And so I started some independent classes. And so I was teaching online doing those. And then uh, a year or two later, I got offered a full-time position at the University of Miami with benefits. And so I had already sort of adjusted over to only real, you know, playing some dates here and there during the school year, but then uh, only touring in the summer. And so when the pandemic came along, you know, I live in a house with, uh, with my mate of 32 years who I'm just crazy about. And I have a recording studio in my backyard. And I, you know, I, I never felt constrained or and it's a drag. I love to go out to breakfast. I love to tour. I love to go to the campus at University of Miami. I love to see my friends. But 
I have, I don't know what it is. There's something about me that if you, something's unavailable, then I don't, I don't strain against that leash. It will be great to go out again, but it's been fine for me. I've, I've just been, it was, was no adjustment. You released a new album a few months ago, 39 Pink Flamingos. Pink Flamingos. There it is. And, and I have, I have a copy of that. I have that right. and I love it. What was uh, kind of, what was, tell us about that album, what led up to it and, and what that the album's all about. Um, a long time ago, I started giving myself little puzzles. Um, you know, songwriters, most songwriters in their early days are, are writing the songs you would expect they write since the lifeblood of pop music is, you know, attraction and uh, jealousy and, uh, sex appeal and dance. And I want to dance with you. Uh, you know, Jordan Mitchell songs are pre predominantly about relationships that didn't work out. Mm -hmm. um, and I was no different. That was definitely that that was really that emotional life came out in song quite easily. But at some point, I, I, I wanted to write about other things. And I wanted to figure out how do I connect with other sorts of topics? How do I, <clears throat> excuse me, instead of waiting for inspiration to strike, how do I personally start generating sparks? How can I build an inspiration fire, so to speak, without just waiting for it to be magic? And so I started making up little assignments for myself and I didn't really think much of it. It was just a little, like a little trick I would play. And then I brought some of those into some co-writing experiences, but then I started thinking them more as little, little challenges of restriction because, and I didn't know this at the time, but the notion of creative constraints is widely endorsed throughout not just the artistic community but even the business community mm -hmm. that there's something about when you have all the freedom in the world that's not necessarily your friend and mm -hmm. that having some restrictions uh cause you to get involved in creative problem solving so the ultimate fruition of that is that's how i generate my curriculum for both my independent classes and for the university of miami but I started giving myself more and more of these sorts of song prompts. Do these things, don't do these things. And setting up a set of rules for myself, a little bit like a recipe. And like solitaire, I think the strength in it is not breaking those rules, pretending they are absolute. Um, you can complain about the fact that there's just eggs and bread and milk and butter in the kitchen. Or you can go about being as creative as you can about making something interesting with it. And so that's sort of the philosophy that I've gradually grown into. And so about half of the Pink Flamingo record is songs that I wrote in the way that you might expect, inspired. Some, one, there's one that's 40 years old and one that's 30 years old. Uh, and half of them are songs where I gave myself an assignment of some sort. And then what happens for me is as I start to build that with the ingredients that are available to me, uh, inspiration does, you know, sparks do fly, and I do end up getting inspired uh, for where I can take the thing I have started based on the rules. Mm. That's beautiful. I love that. Well, we're getting close to the end of the time here. I would personally love to just keep the conversation going for another half hour or hour or six, but uh, I want to be sensitive to everybody, including you, Craig. But I want to I, I want to ask you, we mentioned in the bio where your music's available. If somebody just wants to go learn more about you, find out more about your music, hear some of the songs, find out where they can get some of the music. You have a website as well, correct? I do. You can listen to previews of, uh, and you know, I need to update my bio. I thought I looked it over this morning when I sent it to you, but 
It's actually, I've put out 22 records, not 15. I, I was going to say, I knew when I was reading that, Craig, because I pulled it right off the website and, no. and didn't, I didn't use that. the one that you sent me. So, um, but that's important to know that it's been, it's, it's several albums, not just 39 right. Pink Flamingos. So, so most of those are there, the lyrics, the audio links where you can listen to part or all of those songs from the web. Um, Everything except my new record is also uh, available on iTunes or Spotify. Um, the new record, I wanted to run an experiment. Uh, all the young people that I knew who come through the program release their music to Spotify, and and uh, and they spend a lot of money trying to get onto playlists and sort of, and 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 at some point, that's purely a promotional tool. But I'm not I'm not really trying to promote myself. I I still think that. When I hear somebody's record, I, I want to buy it. I don't want to just listen to it. I want to support that artist. And so I had a feeling that there, some of my long-term and some of my newer supporters, fans, whatever you want to call them, uh, would feel that way too. And it was true. So I put out this record where it was only available from me, and I did. we, we sold quite a few. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to release it digitally on June 23rd, which is National Pink Flamingo Day. Uh, so until then... You can get it from me uh, through my website, email me through the website, uh, either in download form or uh, I'll mail you CD. I know hardly anybody has CD players anymore, but. I do actually. Yeah. I guess some of us from our era still. The, the old guard, yeah. And, and the website is craigcaruthers.com. Right? right, and my name is just Car Others, C-A-R-O, Car Others. And uh, Moderator Cat, I don't know if you're able to do this right now. I know I'm going to put it up on the Coffee Breaks with Steve page after we get done here. I will put the link up there. If Moderator Cat, um, if you're able to plug that in on the comments right now, go ahead. Not a big deal if you don't, because we will make sure that gets uh, out there to everyone. And uh, I just want to say once again, Craig, it's it's great to catch up with you. And I want to thank you. It's it's uh, it's been a little bit of a journey. Craig and I were talking about this. We were originally looking at trying to get Craig on the show last fall, I think. Yeah. And it's really largely been because of his teaching through the University of Miami and the schedule, the way the schedule was working. We've had to shift several times. But Craig has been marvelous all the way along about I haven't had to search for him or chase him any time that we've been looking for a date and and uh, needed to reschedule. He's been very proactive about reaching out. So I appreciate that. I appreciate you taking the time to My be pleasure. with us here this morning. And uh, we're going to keep in touch, man. It's, it's always good when you reconnect. And I've been, as I said, I've been following you. We've been somewhat connected on Facebook, but let's keep in touch. Absolutely. I never felt the need to call it a, a restraining order. It was a very benevolent call. <laughs> um, let me ask you a quick question. Can I still answer questions in after the... This yes, you can. You should be like able to, to uh, on Facebook, I think. Uh, Moderator Cat, do you recall exactly where Craig will be able to see these? I think you can go to uh, Coffee Breaks with Steve Facebook page and see the comments and respond to any questions right. out there. I'll make sure I get you that information. To All right. I saw a couple go by that I've, I felt like I wanted to answer, and I, I yeah. know we're running out of time. Yeah, yeah. But And, and thank you for doing that, that, that uh means a lot when people know that you're going to still respond to those questions. My friend, take care of yourself and continue to uh, bring the creativity and the music. I appreciate you. I love you. It's good to see you again. Thank you very much. Enjoy your move to uh, the lovely state of Washington. Yeah, we're, we're trying, man. All right. Talk All to right. you later. See ya.
All right. Hey, I'll tell you something. There's first of all, it's always great to catch up with um, friends. And, um, you know, there are some situations where you don't talk to somebody, you don't see somebody for many years, and it's a little bit awkward to, to talk to them again. Craig is just such a wonderful, easygoing person, and yet such a, an amazing creative influence. And uh, I wanted to make sure that you had a chance to see him, to hear from him, and to be part of the conversation. Very quickly, I want to let you know what's coming up in the next couple of weeks next week on the 12th, where supposedly we will be in Spokane. So we'll see how that goes. We're going to talk about superstitions and urban legends. You think about things like Groundhog Day. Yeah, we know that the Groundhog doesn't really predict the weather, but we kind of buy into it. And we have other things that we tend to just kind of, even though we know they're not scientific, even though we know they're not logical, there are certain things that are just kind of fun. Why is it that we get into this thing about celebrities dying threes? And we, and we sort of we sort of find a little bit of fun and, and, and I think comfort in this idea of some of these superstitions and legends and things that continue on. So we're going to talk about that next week. The following week on the 19th, we're going to talk about the things our parents let us do. Coming from different eras, coming from different generations, we've talked about the fact that you know, our parents, we'd go out to play and say, Mom, I'm going to be out riding my bike. Okay, come back at dinner time. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have any way to keep in touch. And you kind of go, how did we survive our childhood? Some of the things our parents let us do, and even if you're in the generation younger than mine, and many of you are, we won't get into age. The, the things that we talk about, I've heard even my, my own kids with my grandkids talk about things that we let our kids do that they won't let their grandkids do, or my grandkids do, their kids do. Now, it, with each generation, there's kind of the, wow, the things we got away with or the things we did as a norm. So we're going to talk about those things uh, in a couple of weeks. And then we're still looking ahead, what's coming up, We've got some plans for the next few weeks, but always interested if you've got topics that you would like to see us uh, look at on Coffee Breaks with Steve, if you've got guests that you would like us to reach out to and look at interviewing, I don't mind talking nonstop for 30 minutes, but I always love it when we have special people like Craig Carruthers on here. So please let us know if you've got some ideas, reach out. And also, again, if you have any special days coming up, birthdays, anniversaries, anything special that you want to make sure that we acknowledge on Coffee Breaks with Steve, let us know about that as well. And in the meantime, just want to remind you to uh, take care of yourself, stay safe, stay healthy. Uh, but most of all, find a way to make a difference in your world this week. God bless you. Take care.